Hello and welcome to Paul Martin's Catholic Podcast. I'm Paul Martin. I used to be a Presbyterian, then Pentecostal lay preacher. After studying the Bible and church history afresh, I converted to Catholicism. And I'm talking today about a very hot topic, and that is the Spanish Inquisition. The Monty Python boys used to say as a joke, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. For centuries, Protestants, particularly in Britain, have believed that the Spanish Inquisition was some horrific mass murder of tens of millions of people. And they spread these woodcuts about people undergoing these horrific tortures. And they claim that it was four million were killed in the Spanish Inquisition. And then other sources said 40 million. And then others said 44 million. It's as if someone just kept adding zeros to the number and then others claim 95 million people were killed in the Inquisition. This is actually far higher than any of the populations of the entire region. And frequently I meet anti-Catholics who simply say to me, but what about the Inquisition or the Spanish Inquisition? And it's a fair question to ask, and it's because it's such a common objection made against Catholicism, I decided to end my podcast channel of Season 3 on this topic. And I'll look at different topics for Season 4, but for now, we'll end it with this topic. So, highly recommended viewing is a 1994 BBC documentary called The Myth of the Spanish Inquisition. You can get it on YouTube. It goes for about 43 minutes. And it's an absolutely brilliant documentary that blows out of the water and destroys a lot of the exaggerations that have been said about the Inquisition. And and two books in particular that are, are good are that I'll be relying for most of my information is Inquisition by Edward Peters. It's a 1988 book. And The Spanish Inquisition, a historical revision by Henry Cayman, 1997. And I'll also refer to the Catholic Encyclopedia. But it's actually not going to be just about the Spanish Inquisition. It's going to be about the free medieval inquisitions that the that Catholicism had. The first was the medieval inquisition and that was from 1184 AD until the early to mid 1300s and that was dealing with the Albigensians or Cafari, a Gnostic sect. Then there was the Spanish inquisition which was over a 356-year period from 1478 to 1834. And lastly, the Roman Inquisition, which was from 1542 to 1908. But very few people were brought before that tribunal. 
And in contrast, the Black Plague that swept Europe at the time killed about one third of the population and had drastic social consequences, whereas no such social consequences seem to have had much impact from the Inquisition. The Cafari were a Gnostic cult that originated from the Paulicians of Armenia and they eventually became the Bogomils in Bulgaria and Bogomil missionaries spread their crazy religion to Western Europe where they became known as the Cafari or the Albigensians because a lot of them lived near Albigensis in France. And they were a religion that believed in two gods. There was the evil god of the Old Testament and the good god of the New Testament. And they were an antichrist religion because they denied that Jesus came in the flesh. Uh, 1 John says that those who deny Jesus came in the flesh are antichrists. And the Kafari religion believed that marriage was bad and having children was bad but it was good to commit fornication and they even had ritualistic suicides and they were a socially destructive force and even historians sympathetic to the Kafari admit that had they become the predominant religion in France they would have destroyed that society by all their social problems they were bringing and in virtually every country in the world, there are laws against social problems. In some countries are harsher than others. In East Asian countries, people that take drugs get often the death penalty. In Western countries, it's either a short time in prison or they get sent to a rehabilitation centre. And in some countries, they've decriminalised it. But drug use is dangerous and destructive for society. And as a result, laws get passed against them. And if you have a rapidly spreading religion that is having very socially destructive consequences for society, then naturally there will be laws brought in against it. What a lot of people don't know is that they had inquisitions in the Bible in the time of Moses and many of the medieval Catholics read their Bibles, they had it read to them in every Mass. And in Deuteronomy chapter 17 verses 2 to 5 it says, and I'm reading from the World English Bible which is in the public domain, if there be found in the midst of you, within any of your gates, which Yahweh your God gives you, man or woman, who does that which is evil in the sight of Yahweh your God, in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or the sun, or the moon, or any of the host of the sky, which I have not commanded, and it be told you, and you have heard of it, then shall you inquire diligently, and behold, if it be true, and the thing certain that such abomination is done in Israel, then shall you bring forth that man or that woman who has done this evil thing to your gates, even the man or the woman, 
and you shall stone them to death with stones. And they were commanded to purge evil from their midst in Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 5 and chapter 17 verses 7 and 12. And also in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 13 it says, But those who are outside God judges, put away the wicked man from among yourselves. They were told to expel or put away and inquire into those who are teaching heresy and things that are wrong. Intolerance of heresy was also practiced by Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, said that the Anabaptists should be treated like highway robbers. And highway robbers in those days were hung, drawn and quartered. Intolerance was also practised by Ulrich Zwingli, who went to war with Catholics. And he had Anabaptists in his midst executed. There was also John Calvin. He had Jacques Gruet, one of his rivals, a man who opposed Calvin's dictatorship. He had him tortured and beheaded in 1547. And then we also have the Munster Anabaptists who seized control of the German city of Munster in the 1530s and they expelled all the Catholics and Lutherans and they carried out mass executions of people who opposed them. And they also had many sexual orgies and rape and forced marriages and polygamy. So that was the Anabaptist Rebellion of Munster. And the Anglican Church also carried out widespread torture. And their torture was brutal. They would stretch people on a racks and dislocate their, their bones and their joints and their body parts. And they tortured many of these people to death. And that was in the 15 and 1600s in England under the reign of Henry VIII, Elizabeth I and King James. King James II, that is, of the, which the KJV Bible is named after. So we have to understand then in what context, in what culture, in what world did this, the Catholic Inquisitions occur? And the answer is they occurred in times of national emergency. Now, what is a national emergency? It's a time where a nation is in, has a great and very grave security threat and they have to take drastic measures that are not normally taken in normal circumstances. In America, after 9-11, when the aeroplanes flew into the Twin Towers in New York in 2001, America took very grave security measures afterwards. And in the Second World War, in Britain, in order to protect Britain from Nazi occupation, anyone who was suspected of being a fifth columnist, whether they were guilty or not, was rounded up 
and imprisoned. And if you watch that comedy series, Dad's Army, it sort of portrays that time in England where Captain Mannering frequently pulls out a gun at the air raid warden and says, I'll shoot you, and you can't do that, and he's, yes, I can, there's a war on, I'm entitled to shoot you. I remember reading a reprint of a newspaper from the Second World War in which the British authorities prosecuted a man for not growing vegetables on his land. And he was convicted of passive sabotage for not doing that. And harsh draconian laws like that become the norm when, as they say in Dad's Army, there's a war on, you know. Well, what circumstances was... Spain under, or France, with the, with the medieval inquisition from the late 1100s to the early 1300s, it was the Cafari. The Cafari refused to swear oaths. They were disloyal to the state. They had a ferocious, violent hatred to Catholicism, and they essentially divided the nation. And at the time... The French, or the Franks, were at war with the Muslims. For 470 years before the Crusades, there was massive jihad. In virtually every decade, there were Muslims attacking Christian lands. For centuries, the Spaniards were fighting against Islamic occupation, and they were invading from North Africa into Spain. They're attacking Christians in the Mediterranean Sea. They even occupied southern Italy for centuries until the Normans came in and slaughtered them. And they were enslaving Christians and reducing them to second-class citizenship. And they were trying to engulf the entire world with their jihad in which you either had to be a humiliated dini or second-class citizen, or killed, or converted to Islam. And so, in that circumstances, they couldn't tolerate a religion like the Albigensians coming in and trying to encourage suicide, discourage marriage, and discourage having children and bring in this insanity that they were bringing with them. And the Spaniards, in 1478, were fighting their last wars to expel the Muslims from Spain, which they achieved in 1492. And once they drove the last of their Islamic colonisers, their jihadist foes, out of the country, they became a world empire. They discovered the New World, and they brought Catholicism with them. They also committed some atrocities in the New World, and they did some evil things there, but they went from being an Islamic, humiliated colony to a world power after they drove them out. And when they were dealing with Spain, they'd had almost 800 years of invasion, occupation, humiliation, oppression, and the constant threat of reinvasion. 
And the Catholic Encyclopedia, under its entry on Inquisition, lists numerous church fathers and theologians and saints who condemned the killing of heretics and called for persuasion and preaching rather than force or coercion. Two of the inquisitors, you can read their writings, are Bernard Guy, that's G-U-I, and Eimeric, that's E-Y-M-E-R-I-C, no inquisitors. And those who were appointed as inquisitors for the medieval inquisition, they had to be fair-minded, they had to be compassionate, they had to be temperate people. They didn't want sadists or people that loved power trips. And they had to be extremely cautious not to convict the innocent. And people who committed perjury or slandered someone else and said that person's a heretic, if they were found out to have lied, they were punished harshly. Because there were a lot of malevolent people going around slandering others as heretics. And Bernard Guy talks about an incident where a father slandered his son and said he was a heretic. And when it was found out that the father had lied, the father got life imprisonment. And torture was used to elicit truth. It was not used as a punishment. In those days, if the police caught you in Spain or England, they could torture you. They could cut your fingers or your genitals off. They could gouge your eyes out, cut your ears off. And they did punishments like that in England and France. But in the Inquisition, it was, it was managed and it was regulated in Pope Innocent IV's bull, Ad Exterpenda, in 1252 AD. And he said the torture used could not imperil life or cause loss of life or limb. It could only be applied once, and only once again in extreme circumstances. And it was to be deferred as long as possible. They would need a bishop's permission. So while torture is an horrific and completely morally reprehensible thing to do in any circumstance, it was at least regulated. And what was the norm in those days to mutilate people was not allowed in the Inquisition. And many inquisitors even opposed torture and they believed that it produced flawed information. Uh, however, at times, torture was abused by inquisitors, and Rome frequently censured inquisitors who were too harsh. They never censured those who were too merciful. And the Spanish Inquisition was even criticised by Pope Sixtus IV in 1482, just five years after it had started, where he accused them of unjustly imprisoning innocent people. So the idea that the Spanish Inquisition was some sinister plot started by the Pope, it was nothing of the sort. It was Catholics in Spain doing their own thing, and they were doing it because there were many Jews and Muslims who had converted to Catholicism that were suspected of being fifth columnists. And because they were in a state of war with neighbouring Muslim states, 
and they wanted to protect their country from fifth columnists, they frequently brought in these people into the Inquisition. Now, I'm not defending what they did, but in the circumstances, it's understandable, just as I don't believe innocent people should be locked up in jail in World War II just because they were suspected of being fifth columnists. You also have to appreciate the mitigating circumstances that desperate situations often call for desperate measures. And the aim of the Spanish Inquisition was to root out any traitors or people that were not loyal to the state and were secretly helping the enemies because Spain had, had spent centuries driving the Muslims out and when they'd finally gotten them out they were like, well, we're not going to ever let them back in again. And it was also to prevent Protestantism from taking a hold. And Thomas Madden has written an article called The Real Inquisition and it's in the National Review, June the 18th, 2004. And I'm going to read the entire article. He basically, in a summary, says that torture was rare and only about 1% of the time did the accused get executed. So, I'm going to read the article. The Real Inquisition, Investigating the Popular Myth. When the sins of the Catholic Church are recited, as they so often are, the Inquisition figures prominently. People with no interest in European history know full well that it was led by brutal and fanatical churchmen who tortured, maimed and killed those who dared question the authority of the church. The word inquisition is part of our modern vocabulary describing both an institution and a period of time. Having one of your hearings referred to as an inquisition is not a compliment for most senators. But in recent years, the Inquisition has been subject to greater investigation. In preparation for the Jubilee in 2000, Pope John Paul II wanted to find out just what happened during the time of the Inquisition's the institution's existence. In 1998, the Vatican opened the archives of the Holy Office, the modern successor to the Inquisition, to a team of 30 scholars from around the world. Now at last, the scholars have made their report, an 800-page tome that was unveiled at a press conference in Rome on Tuesday. Its most startling conclusion is that the Inquisition was not so bad after all. Torture was rare, and only about 1% of those brought before the Spanish Inquisition were actually executed. As one headline read, Vatican downsizes Inquisition. The amazed gasps and cynical sneers that have greeted this report are just further evidence of the lamentable gulf that exists between professional historians 
and the general public. The truth is that although this report makes use of previously unavailable material, it merely echoes what numerous scholars have previously learned from other European archives. Among the best recent books on the subject are Edward Peters's Inquisition, 1988, and Henry Kamen's The Spanish Inquisition, 1997. But there are others. Simply put, historians have long known that the popular view of the Inquisition is a myth. So what is the truth? To understand the Inquisition, we have to remember that the Middle Ages were, well, medieval. We should not expect people in the past to view the world and their place in it the way we do today. You try living through the Black Death and see how it changes your attitude. For people who lived during those times, religion was not something one did just at church. It was science, philosophy, politics, identity and hope for salvation. It was not a personal preference, but an abiding and universal truth. Heresy then struck at the heart of that truth. It doomed the heretic, endangered those near him, and tore apart the fabric of community. The Inquisition was not born out of desire to crush diversity or oppress people. It was rather an attempt to stop unjust executions. Yes, you read that correctly. Heresy was a crime against the state. Roman law in the Code of Justinian made it a capital offence. Rulers whose authority was believed to come from God had no patience for heretics. Neither did common people who saw them as dangerous outsiders who would bring down divine wrath. When someone was accused of heresy in the early Middle Ages, they were brought to the local lord for judgment, just as if they had stolen a pig or damaged shrubbery. Really, it was a serious crime in England. Yet, in contrast to those crimes, it was not so easy to discern whether the accused was really a heretic. For starters, one needed some basic theological training, something most medieval lords sorely lacked. The result is that uncounted thousands across Europe were executed by secular authorities without fair trials or a competent assessment of the validity of the charge. The Catholic Church's response to this problem was the Inquisition, first instituted by Pope Lucius III, in 1184. It was born out of a need to provide fair trials for accused heretics using laws of evidence and presided over by knowledgeable judges. From the perspective of secular authorities, heretics were traitors to God and the king and therefore deserved death. From the perspective of the church, however, heretics were lost sheep who had strayed from the flock. As shepherds, the pope and bishops had a duty to bring them back into the fold, just as the good shepherd had commanded them. 
So while medieval secular leaders were trying to safeguard their kingdoms, the church was trying to save souls. The Inquisition provided a means for heretics to escape death and return to the community. As this new report confirms, most people accused of heresy by the Inquisition were either acquitted or their sentences suspended. Those found guilty of grave error were allowed to confess their sin, do penance and be restored to the body of Christ. The underlying assumption of the Inquisition was that like lost sheep, heretics had simply strayed. If, however, an inquisitor determined that a particular sheep had purposely left the flock, there was nothing more that could be done. Unrepentant or obstinate heretics were excommunicated and given over to secular authorities. Despite popular myth, the Inquisition did not burn heretics. It was the secular authorities that held heresy to be a capital offence, not the church. The simple fact is that the medieval Inquisition saved uncounted thousands of innocent and even not so innocent people who would otherwise have been roasted by secular lords or mob rule. During the 13th century, the Inquisition became much more formalised in its methods and practices. Highly trained Dominicans, answerable to the Pope, took over the institution, creating courts that represented the best legal practices in Europe. As royal authority grew during the 14th century and beyond, control over the Inquisition slipped out of papal hands and into those of kings. Instead of one Inquisition, there were now many. Despite the prospect of abuse, monarchs like those in Spain and France generally did their best to make certain that their Inquisitions remained both efficient and merciful. During the 16th century, when the witch craze swept Europe, it was those areas with the best developed inquisitions that stopped the hysteria in its tracks. In Spain and Italy, trained inquisitors investigated charges of witches' sabbaths and baby roasting and found them to be baseless. Elsewhere, Particularly in Germany, secular or religious courts burned witches by the thousands. Compared to other medieval secular courts, the Inquisition was positively enlightened. Why then are people in general, and the press in particular, so surprised to discover that the Inquisition did not barbecue people by the millions? First of all, when most people think of the Inquisition today, what they are really thinking of is the Spanish Inquisition. No, not even that is correct. They are thinking of the myth of the Spanish Inquisition. Amazingly, 
Before 1530, the Spanish Inquisition was widely hailed as the best-run, most humane court in Europe. There are actually records of convicts in Spain purposely blaspheming so that they could be transferred to the prisons of the Spanish Inquisition. After 1530, however, the Spanish Inquisition began to turn its attention to the new heresy of Lutheranism. It was the Protestant Reformation and the rivalries it spawned that would give birth to the myth. By the mid-16th century, Spain was the wealthiest and most powerful country in Europe. Europe's Protestant areas, including the Netherlands, Northern Germany and England, may not have been as militarily mighty, but they did have a potent new weapon. The printing press. Although the Spanish defeated Protestants on the battlefield, they would lose the propaganda war. These were the years when the famous Black Legend of Spain was forged. Innumerable books and pamphlets poured from northern presses accusing the Spanish Empire of inhuman depravity and horrible atrocities in the New World. Opulent Spain was cast as a place of darkness, ignorance and evil. Protestant propaganda that took aim at the Spanish Inquisition drew liberally from the black legend, but it had other sources as well. From the beginning of the Reformation, Protestants had difficulty explaining the 15th century gap between Christ's institution of his church and the founding of the Protestant churches. Catholics naturally pointed out this problem, accusing Protestants of having created a new church separate from that of Christ. Protestants counted that their church was the one created by Christ, but that it had been forced underground by the Catholic Church. Thus, just as the Roman Empire had persecuted Christians, so its successor, the Roman Catholic Church, continued to persecute throughout the Middle Ages. Inconveniently, there were no Protestants in the Middle Ages. Yet Protestant authors found them there anyway in the guise of various medieval heretics. In this light, the medieval Inquisition was nothing more than an attempt to crush the hidden true church. The Spanish Inquisition, still active and extremely efficient at keeping Protestants out of Spain, was, for Protestant writers, merely the latest version of this persecution. Mix liberally with the black legend and you have everything you need to produce tract after tract about the hideous and cruel Spanish Inquisition. And so they did. In time, Spain's empire would fade away. Wealth and power shifted to the north, in particular to France and England. By the late 17th century, new ideas of religious tolerance were bubbling across the coffee houses and salons of Europe. Inquisitions, both Catholic and Protestant, withered. 
the Spanish stubbornly held on to theirs, and for that they were ridiculed. French philosophers like Voltaire saw in Spain a model of the Middle Ages, weak, barbaric, superstitious. The Spanish Inquisition, already established as a bloodthirsty tool of religious persecution, was derided by Enlightenment fingers as a brutal weapon of intolerance and ignorance. A new, fictional Spanish Inquisition had been constructed, designed by the enemies of Spain and the Catholic Church. Now, a bit more of the real Inquisition has come back into view. The question remains, will anyone take notice? And here ends the article and it just says, Thomas F. Madden is Professor and Chair of the Department of History at St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri. He's the author, most recently, of Enrico Dandolo and the Rise of Venice and the editor of the forthcoming Crusades, the Illustrated History. Well, that leads us then to what did the Spanish Inquisition actually achieve and how many people actually died in the Spanish Inquisition? And over a 356-year period from 1478 to 1834, it was roughly 3,000 to 5,000 people who were killed over that entire three and a half centuries. That's averaged to about 11 people per year. 3,000 to 5,000 people killed is still 3,000 to 5,000 people too many. And the Catholic Church would never do this today. And we look back at atrocities that have been committed in the past, but we also have to understand the circumstances that the medieval people were living in at that time. And they had over 200,000 people brought into the, into the Inquisition, but only several thousand that were killed. So they saved far more lives than they took. What they also did is they kept Spain united and Catholic, and people might think, well, so what? What use is that? And the reason I explain is because the Protestant Reformation, which is completely unnecessary, it brought division and civil wars to most of the places where they went. And we had the French Wars of Religion, which were between the Huguenots, or Huguenots, the Calvinists, versus the Catholics. And the Huguenots ended up controlling large swathes of southern France. And eventually there was war, and the war was from 1562 to 1598. It was over a 36-year period. There were crimes, massacres and atrocities by both sides that were inexcusable. And it led to the deaths of about 3 million people. That's an average of 83,333 per year, compared to 11. 
And then there was the Thirty Years' War in Germany from 1618 to 1648, and it claimed eight million lives. It led basically to the deaths of 20% of the German people were killed in this horrific war. It led to the annihilation of Protestants in the south of Germany and the annihilation of Catholics in the north of Germany. And then there was also, in England, there were three English civil wars from 1642 to 1651. And they claimed about 200,000 deaths in Britain, or 6% of the English population. And they also went over to Ireland and slaughtered roughly anything from 200,000 to 600,000 Irish Catholics simply for being Catholic. And that was something like well over a quarter to a third of the Irish population were killed then. So while I'm not defending or excusing any deaths and atrocities committed in the Spanish Inquisition, I'm showing that for their time, they were far more humane and restrained than any of the other nations that surrounded them, especially their critics. And Protestants who bash Catholics because of the Spanish Inquisition are throwing stones from a glass house. And while today we would not torture people over their beliefs, we can, in, in civilised societies, in the medieval circumstances that the Spaniards and the French were under, they were vulnerable to outside attacks by jihadists. And in extreme circumstances, even in the modern world, people will take away certain liberties and freedoms for national security and for the greater good. And I'm sure there could be many long, endless debates about the, the ethics of all that. But that's my response to the Spanish Inquisition and the, the other Catholic Inquisitions, the medieval one and the Roman Inquisition. And I believe it puts things in a much greater perspective than popular urban legends would have us believe. Thank you for listening and I look forward to doing more podcasts in the future. I'll be doing less in the future than I've done in the past because I've covered most of the topics that I've wanted to cover. But just when you think you've run out of things to talk about, it seems that more things come around. Thank you for listening. Take care.